Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Running the Race podcast, a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. This podcast is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, and to learn more about who we are and what we believe, head over to our website, www.fbcg.net. You can find more episodes of the podcast or check out our pastor's blog, Drawing Near, over at the site. If you found the podcast to be helpful or of interest to you, we'd ask you to consider recommending it to someone in your life who might enjoy it or benefit from it. Thanks. We're very excited about today's topic, the theology of worship. Our speakers are Dr. Jim Law, Senior Pastor of First Gonzales, and our Minister to Students, Alex Ray. In this episode, Pastors Jim and Alex talk about the definition of worship and the realization that everyone worships something. They then ask the question, why do we worship at all? Their answers include that we worship in recognition of who God is, and in turn, we worship out of an understanding of who we are in light of that. We worship in response to what's been done through the person and work of Christ. And finally, they discuss worship as a corporate event as members of the body of Christ. This is Alex Ray, and I'm here with uh, Pastor Jim Law, FBC Gonzalez. And Jim, today we're talking about a really important and um, interesting subject, I think, in the life of the Christian, life of the church, and that is of worship. You know, what does it mean to worship? What, when we encourage our, our brothers and sisters to worship, what exactly are we talking about? Well, yeah, I, you know, when we look at the uh, scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, uh, worship is just a powerful theme throughout God's word mm-hmm. and that we, we are really redeemed to, to worship fundamental to life. Uh, Jesus said under the new covenant that his followers would worship God in spirit and in truth and that it wouldn't be a geographical location, but would be um, ongoing communion with God um, both corporately and personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's important too. To also, when we when we use worship as a verb like that, we often need to understand what it means as a noun. What what is it actually? What is what did the word worship mean to begin with? Before we can actually say, uh, okay, we should do this, and we should do that, and we should, we absolutely should. And and so I've been thinking about that, and I think uh, one of the ways we can maybe perhaps define worship is um, it, to say that you know when we recognize God for who He is, that that He is good, that He is uh, mm. beautiful, that He is holy, that He is righteous, and so on. All, we go through all these attributes and uh, of God, and we respond in praise. We respond in love to those things, thinking through those things. And of course, that takes intentionality. Something we're going to talk about uh, some more in just a few moments. But uh, it's also important to to realize that when we talk, think about worship as a verb, um, and and that in the sense of expressing our praise and devotion to God, I think in some way, shape, or form. We all worship something in our lives. The question is what? Uh, something has our affection, the affection of our heart. Something has our, our desire. Something has all of our attention. Uh, it's either God or it's something else entirely. And so the question is, what is it that has our affection? What What is it that has uh, the desire of our hearts? You know, and I was just thinking as you were saying that, uh, just uh, at the heart of the uh, the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. And in the second commandment, um, no idols. And then he talks about, in the 10th commandment, not coveting. Right. You know, so we're going to worship something. You know, what? where is our heart's allegiance, I think, is uh, the ongoing question for every every believer. Right. Um, I, Joseph Carroll wrote a little book that has meant a lot to me through the years. 
a devotional book, How to Worship Jesus Christ. And he, he, he states that worship is not simple our, because our hearts are not simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but worship is not simple, but it's glorious. I have found that it is the one thing the enemy will oppose more than anything else. The one thing he does not want is for you to worship Jesus Christ. And so I think that's part of living in this world is uh, who, where's the allegiance of my heart and who am I focused on? Right, right, absolutely. And so when we think about uh, what it means to, to have what we might call theology of worship, and so I think it'd be important to note here, we're, trying, we're drawing a distinction between the, the theology of worship and maybe how we might do worship. And and that second part is something that we'll, we'll discuss on the on the next podcast. But for uh, for our time today, we want to discuss what what is the theology of worship? Why why do we even worship at all? And of course we're using this in the context of, of a of a Christian who is praising God for who he is. And and so and that kind of answered my question why. But uh, if we can dive a little bit deeper into that, what, what would you say? When we say why do why should we worship at all to begin with, how would you answer that? I I, I think that takes us back to creation and why God created the universe mm-hmm. and uh, human beings in particular that uh, we've been created in the image of God to enjoy fellowship with him that was destroyed by sin, the whole redemptive message of the Bible that God promised a redeemer that came in Jesus Christ, and that uh, we are redeemed uh, to to worship him, and uh, that we are saved for that purpose, ultimately, and that we're unable to do that on our own. You know, it's not something that comes naturally to us. Right. Um, apart from the new birth, there's nothing in us that would want him. Right. How can a dead man do any of those things? Right. We don't see God. We don't want him. Uh, his, his laws offend us. And um, it's not until we come to taste the grace of God in Christ Jesus that we, uh, that our affections are changed. Our hearts are changed. Mm-hmm. And that what was once, uh, I was talking uh, recently to a young man in our church, and he was recounting his youth years coming to church and just really... Uh, sleeping <laughs> during right. the whole whole time, right. and um, and then he got saved. He, he he was born again, and oh, the difference that that makes to where you know the Bible's not some distant book for somebody else. No, this is God's word to me, and I want to know this God who has loved me and revealed His redemption to me. Right. And so we're not able to do that on our own, and so that's why I think a lot of the exterior. Uh, peripheral issues around worship that are at the heart of a lot of worship wars really are so, um, you know, secondary. Sure. So I think, Alex, just spanning the the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, uh, the need to worship God, to walk with God. I think of Enoch in Genesis 5. He he walked with God and God took him to himself um, is a is a great picture of the way we ought to live every every day of our life. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I would say worship really ties into that nicely because um, one of the reasons I would say we're called to worship is that um, in doing so, we recognize who God is. And that would be, be a really, I think, helpful exercise for us to do from time to time is if we were to ask ourselves or somebody were to ask us, who is God? not just to you, but also who God has revealed in Scripture, it'd be interesting to gauge how we answer that question at different points mm. of our lives. Mm. Um, you know, we're going through a difficult time, we might answer it in one way, or going through another time, we might answer it in a, a different way. Um, but think about all the ways we, we can describe God. 
um, I, I not just again I, that's what we can come up with, but also that God reveals Himself in Scripture. Oh, I think this is so important in, in that in that conversation that worship is responding to God's revelation of Himself. Right. True worship is not pulling our thoughts together on how we would like God to be. And that's why I think a, a whole study of the attributes of God are so important. When you when we open a hymnal and we we sing, um, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." You know, that takes us into, um, you know, an understanding this God is pure and set apart from anything uh, that we know. Right. Um, and, you know, as Tozer once said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Right. It defines the direction of your life. And so I think the difference between, uh, uh, you know, a, a purity of faith uh, is seen in how we understand God and respond to how He's revealed Himself to mm-hmm. us, right? Um, right, and so and so that goes back to all the different ways that we can say that God is holy. Which you know, it's interesting when you look at Scripture. God God says that He is holy, and if you take all the instances of how many times God said that He is holy, and you take all that number. With that, with that number happens to be that number actually is greater than all the other attributes that God mm-hmm. gives Himself as well, all added up together. God said He is holy more so than any, any mm-hmm. of the other ones. So, if God repeats Himself that many times and says that He's holy that many times, it's obviously important. It's something that we need to spend some more time thinking about in our own lives, and and that should affect how we worship as well. We see how Isaiah responds in Isaiah Isaiah chapter six, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we see how He responds to that. How are we called to respond to that as well? Um, so God is holy. God is also our creator. God is our provider. He's our sustainer. He, he's the one who redeems us. These are all different themes that we can we can spend time really thinking through as we worship. And uh, worship isn't just something that happened only through song, although that's certainly mm-hmm. uh, an integral, integral part of it, but it's really in the way that we live uh, our lives. And so... Um, uh, worship is, is, a, is a response to who God is, mm. uh, but also too, I, th- I think we could say that it's also uh, is a response and understanding who we are in light of who God is. That we're called to worship and respond to that, and so we are created that we're not an accident, uh, uh, as um, some will view would have you believe that that you're just here, you're just a cosmic accident, you're you're here by by. Uh, you're the random product of random evolutionary processes with with no end goal in mind. It's just your life is an accident. That's all there is to it. Um, but the biblical story very much different. That you are created and therefore you're owned. Uh, at the same time, too, um, we're also sinful, which is why we need a savior. And so, so much of worship is it's just the response of God. You have saved me, me and my wretched self, and now I'm responding uh, in praise and adoration because you would even. Dare to do so. I think that's one of the misconceptions of church, um, and often while why you know people from the outside looking in may 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 view us as maybe hypocritical or, um, you know, just uh, or or as people who gather together who think they have it all together. Sure, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Right. Uh, authentic worship when the church gathers is acknowledging our sin and God's amazing grace to redeem us. Right. And when you look at the statements on the depravity of man, uh, Romans 3, which pulls from a number of psalms, so it connects it between the Testaments, but uh, there's a, there's none who does good, no, not one. Mm-hmm. We're not seeking after him. Uh, there's no fear of God between, before our eyes. Uh, we don't look so good. 
Right. And I think that that really is at the heart of Christian worship, is that we're not a bunch of people who have it all together. In fact, we are sinners through and through who have been redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. We are no longer what we once were, and we're in the process of being conformed into his image. Absolutely. And so we're not... the. The entire um, premise of worshiping in, in this respect, it's, it's just open and ad, admittance that, yes, we don't have it all together and um, we shouldn't pretend that we do. It's why we need a Savior to begin with. Um, and so I would also say that worship, um, we it's a response that everything that we have is directly uh, given by God. That everything I have and own and possess and, and that God has entrusted to me is, in fact, given directly. Uh, to me directly by God. And so if, if I were to give something back, and this is something that we talk about uh, on a pretty regular basis before we uh, collect uh, the offering uh, in, our, in our worship service, is that we are giving back to God what he, had already, what he already has. And I was reminded of something C.S. Lewis said to that effect, where he talked about, um, he said, you know, if you would imagine a, a child who wants to buy his father a birthday present, and of course, the child didn't have any a job, so he he had to borrow five dollars from his from his father to buy him his birthday present. So he go he get he gets five dollars, and he goes to the corner store and he buys a little gift with the five dollars, and he comes back and gives him it gives his dad that gift. Well, nobody would say that that the father is now five dollars richer. And so he comes up with that phrase, six pence, none, the richer, where uh, C.S. Lewis comes up with that. He's saying that you, you giving God what's already his, that he's not gaining anything that he was previously missing. That he, instead, worship is, a, is an invitation for us to enjoy him and, and us uh, to give ourselves to him um, and be able to become more and more like Christ in doing so. Yeah, that, uh, Alex, and just thinking about worship as it relates um, uh, on, a, on a couple of uh, important um, divisions here. Um, Mike Cosper, uh, in his book, Rhythms of Grace, uh, How the Church's Worship Tells the Story of the Gospel, uh, has really been refreshing to me um, uh, the last couple of weeks. And he talks about, um, as worshipers, we're scattered and we're gathered. Mm-hmm scattered in our private lives. So there's a, a, a private personal worship that is the part of every Christian. In fact, Romans 12, 1, we're to present ourselves to God as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable to him, which is our reasonable service of worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, you know, there's a part of, Jesus said, when you pray, enter your closet. So every believer ought to have a closet, a place that or time where we're spending uh, our days in worship to the Lord. And then we gather as a corporate body. And I think there are practical things. This brings to the forefront, am I worshiping um, worshiping the Lord in my daily life? Right. And how that feeds the gathered worship of the church. And, um, I, you know, I think that's quite a challenge for us. And to think of practical ways— to cultivate um, personal worship through the reading of Scripture, through the confession of our sins, through uh, giving praise to Him. Um, We've used uh, the life action um, material on uh, a holy hour with God, Mm -hmm. uh, different components of prayer, praise and confession and petition and thanksgiving and uh, even spending time in song. Um, you know, we've, we've been looking at this subject in our, our morning preaching time in recent, um, days and the whole uh, challenge of, um, preparing to come for corporate worship. Mm -hmm. 
you know, not just stumbling in. And we, you know, to prepare by reading the, the text for the day. Um, you know, I think uh, just practical matters. You know, on, on Saturday night, do I really want to stay up to one in the morning doing things that are not going to prepare me to wake up and be in the gathering of the church? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the personal preparation for the corporate gathering, um, I, I long to see God's uh, God move powerfully in us and through us uh, to impact this world for His kingdom and glory. And I think Christians don't take worship seriously, and um, and that this challenge is, is is needed for every one of us. Right, right, and that, and, that, and I think underscored also. To something that overlaps with that is the importance, as you mentioned, of corporate worship. That we're not uh, that yes, we are called to have our individual worship time, as you mentioned, and that's certainly important. But we're also called to, to worship together as a body. That um, we're, that we're not built to do life alone. Mm. That God uh, that God uh, has saved us as a people. Um, I, I don't I don't recall any times in Scripture where you see a, a you see a committed believer doing life by themselves. Um, on a regular basis. Now, of course, there's certain, when we talk about uh, maybe like, especially in live COVID-19, you see people having to be quarantined and things like that. Um, that, that cert- there's certainly something to be said about that. But when th- think about the being part of a body of Christ that we're, we're built to do life together, built to do life w- with one another. Talk about all the one another to scripture that, that uh, you can't say that language when it's only just one person. You call to do life with your brothers and sisters. And so, um, uh, we're all worshiping God together. We're, in, we're 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 together physically in the same room. We're singing the same song. We're we're praying at the same time. We're doing all these things together. We're taking the Lord's Supper together. We're, we're, it's all a corporate event. And I think another thing too to go back to um, the the individual part in, in some sense that through worship, um, one of the one of the end goals of our worship is that God changes us and shapes us and, mm. and molds us mm. into the image of Christ, that he, that it, to use the language of John the Baptist, that it's less of me and more of him, that if I, if I compare myself now to myself from a couple of years ago, my, my hope and my prayer is that, that I exemplify Christ and I emulate Christ in a much more significant way than I did a couple of years ago, that I'm more mature in my walk, that, I'm, that my, my loves and my desires and my hates line up with what he loves and what he desires and what he hates, so that, again, mm-hmm. it's less of me and more of him. And I was encouraged by something I read some time ago by James K.A. Smith, he said this, he said, worship is the arena in which God recalibrates our hearts, reforms our desires, and rehabituates our loves. Worship isn't just something we do, it's where God does something to us. Mm. Worship is a gymnasium in which God retrains our hearts. Oh, yeah. yeah. You think of the gymnastics that Isaiah went through in, in chapter 6. I mean, which I think is a great paradigm for us as believers in thinking about entering into worship. Uh, here he is on, um, um, you know, a, a time of national crisis. Uzziah has has died, who reigned mm-hmm. fifty two years, and and uh, he's wondering what's next. He's dealing with the complacency and the apathy of God's people in Judah, and he is worshiping the Lord, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. Uzziah may be dead, but but the Lord God Almighty is not dead. Right, he, he's on his throne and and will reign forever and ever. 
And then Isaiah um, sees himself in light of who God is. And ultimately, that's who we are, Alex, is who we are in the presence of God. And he says, woe is me, which is quite a statement for perhaps the most righteous man in Judah. Mm -hmm. Woe is me. I'm a foul-mouthed sinner. Woe is me. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And that God brings cleansing as the um, uh, the seraphim grabs the uh, the coal from the altar and touches his lips, the most sensitive part of his body, and um, and then and then he's commissioned. Mm-hmm. So seeing God for who He is, seeing ourselves for who we are, uh, the call of God on our lives, who will go for us, and then Isaiah says, "Here I am, send me." Right. And um, usually, um, preachers stop on about verse eight. But there's more to it, even to embrace the hard ministries of this world where you're standing for Christ and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, that is quite a quite a picture for us as, as followers of, uh, of the living God uh, through Christ that we are entering into worship with that understanding of um, whether private, scattered, um, personal or corporate gathering. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we think about what, it, again, to kind of unpacking all this stuff about the theology of worship and talk about the importance and, and why we do it at all, again, to recognize who God is, who we are, and then also, as you just mentioned, how we're called to move forward. And I think Isaiah had a great picture uh, of that. And so it, how, do, how do we go forward? What, what's the next step? Okay, we, t- we said all this stuff. Now, how do we push some feet to the ground? Um, as it were, what, what would you say the next step is? How, how do we move forward having said all this? I think to continue to remind ourselves as, as uh, followers of Christ how important worship is in our, in our personal lives. Uh, that, you know, often it's kind of dismissed as, um, you know, old school, but how important it is for you and I, Alex, to, to enter into the presence of God personally every day mm-hmm. with the Word and how the Word is really... Um, uh, the importance uh, or the priority in, in worship is to hear the the lead, leading forth from from the scriptures, and to and to declare our love for him. I, I, years ago, we had a um, a Michigan Highway Patrolman who who was a, a bivocational pastor come here, and I remember um, he um, he would say um, that you know for the beginning of the year that he intended to to spend at least 10 minutes a day singing to the Lord. And um, I just think it, he, that might be viewed as strange, but not when you read the Psalms. Right. You know, that we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, singing to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. And I fear that that's not happening in the lives of many uh, believers. And so... Uh, that's the beginning point. That's going forward. It's cultivating a personal worship time with Christ every day, mm-hmm. and feeding for that coming together and um, feeding us as God's people as we enter into His presence in corporate worship. Yeah, absolutely. And in finding those times to uh, redeeming the time or improving the time throughout our day, where um, we're instead of I know for me one of my really bad habits is that if I have a couple, even just 30 or 40 seconds of downtime, whether it's at a stoplight, whether I'm waiting for my coffee, you know, whatever it is, my first instinct, and, and I hate this, my first instinct is to pull out my phone yep. and, and 
just scroll. They call it doom scrolling. Uh, the word for that is you could easily only find bad news on social media. So you're doom scrolling. Um, I learned that recently. But uh, whatever it is, is you're just you're it's just idle, and you're not. And there and it ultimately at the end of that forty seconds, whatever it is, you're usually not better off than what you were. And again, maybe even worse if you're doom scrolling. But uh, there's certainly got to be some ways where um, we are able to redeem that time for God. Um, and, and instead of, and I, and I, and I think about this for myself and I'm like, okay, instead of going to my phone, what if I just sat here in silence and just thought about what I read this morning mm. in my devotional life, in my devotional mm. time? Okay. I, I read these passages. I, I spent some time in prayer about it already, but let's, let's spend some more time thinking about that. Mm. Um, and, and really thinking through the implications and thinking about other verses that are related and really taking that in. Um, there's gotta be a w- better way to redeem that time. I think that's a. I think that's the way forward is for us to be thinking in creative ways like this. And uh, some uh, weeks ago, uh, Ray Ortland, who I follow online and have just been blessed by his ministry, he he put out on Twitter, you know, the the need to offer up prayers ongoingly through the day. Thank you, Lord. Uh, help me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Uh, keep me from sin, Lord. I need you, Lord. You are with me, Lord. Give me strength, Lord. You know best, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I didn't understand that, Lord. I love you, Lord. I think if we think in those categories and apply that uh, ongoing through our life, that we will obey the great commandment, which is to love the Lord God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race Podcast. To find out more information about our church and ministries or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcast, a positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks. And if you found the podcast interesting and helpful, recommend us to a friend or family member that you think would enjoy it. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.